This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. E-paper displays are, by far, best known for the little e-readers people use instead of printed books. The core technology used for those readers is what's also being used for things like meeting room displays and updated bus stop schedule signs that run off batteries and, in some cases, solar chargers. But that's all been in black and white and gray. Color displays, and particularly displays that can do full motion graphics and video playback, have largely stayed in the bucket of future technology. A small Dutch company is well along the path of changing all that, using something called electro-wedding display technology that gets its brightness from the sun and would be used as low-energy alternatives to big LED video displays that are now used for at-home advertising. In this podcast, I have a detailed chat with eTooler founder Hans Fail whose company is rapidly evolving and maturing the technology and has a big investment and R&D partner in Dactronics, the South Dakota-based LED manufacturer. We get into what the technology is and how it works, its differences with other kinds of e-paper, how it sets up, and its benefits. The company is still at the advanced R&D stage, but far enough along that it anticipates being in small quantity production next year through a manufacturing partner in Taiwan. Hans, thank you very much for joining me. Let's just get right to it. What what the heck is electro-wedding display technology? That's a good question. It's a... uh, I hope you know the answer. (laughs) It's a what they call reflective uh, display technology. Mm -hmm. uh, Very often, if if people... Well, of course, you actually, you know it probably already. But if people don't know, uh, the introduction that I made is that I say, well, you probably will have an e-reader. Many people have e-readers uh, nowadays. And you know it's black and white and a little bit slow, but you can read it excellently. You can read your book uh, outdoors. If you take your iPad outdoor in the sun, it's difficult to read. Well, we have something like your e- the display on the e-reader, but then with color and it's fast. And that's the, uh, that's the difference. So it's a reflective display technology it reflects it reflects light, so there's no backlight behind it. It doesn't emit light. So if you take our display in, into the dark, you don't see anything un, unless you light it up with a backlight or a front light. So that's that's for newcomers. Um, if you're a chemist or a physicist or any other scientist, I would probably say it a little bit different, in the sense that um, what we do is that we manipulate liquids, liquids, colored oils, and we, we have a layer, layers of colored oils and with little cells with ink in it, or oil we call it, and we can make small droplets with it. And the, the, the size of the droplets we can control. For, in, uh, for instance, it makes it possible, um, if you compare it to, to print, you, 
many people have inkjet printers and if if they would take a magnifying class and look at the paper they're seeing little cyan magenta and yellow droplets on the white paper and what we do is we mimicking this 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 printing with cyan magenta and yellow so we have a white paper or white reflector we call it and now we have three layers of of glass of, of glass sandwiches on on top of it with cyan magenta and yellow oil and each individual layer on the, we can switch this oil droplets making them small or big and if, if all the layers are spread it's black because you don't see anything all the light is absorbed and if if there are, all the droplets are small you see white or nearly white and depending on which droplets you switch and can get all the colors of the rainbow but, okay. but it's all very low power right and from what I read on your website, unlike traditional, if you want to call it traditional e-paper, what, what we would know from e-ink displays primarily, uh, this can do 25 frames per second motion. Yes. Which is quite a bit different because when uh, you, you see something change on an e-paper screen, it kind of goes nuts for a fraction of a second as it kind of reorganizes itself. Yes, and in our case, it, it doesn't really reorganize. Droplets just become big or small. Gotcha. And it goes very fast. Was that a big step to get to the point where you could change them that quickly, or is that kind of inherent in the technology design? It's inherent. In, it, it comes automatically with the technology. Okay. It has, it has never been slow. And and with e-paper, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not. Uh, banging on e-ink because they, they make a great product. But, oh, certainly. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, they, but they've spent 20 plus years uh, advancing their color displays and they'll put out press releases saying we now have more color support than we used to. They don't quite say it in those terms. They say it more glowingly than that, but uh, basically it's been a very long road to get them to full color. You're saying you, you've got full color gamut right now? Uh, yes, yes, but it, also in our case, it's a very long, uh, long route. Okay. Um, the, the first paper of Rob Hayes and, and Johan Feenstra from, from Philips Research was in, I think, 2003, so 19 years ago, this Nature paper, where they first explaining, uh, showing to the world electro-wetting displays, or at least uh, the, the concept and some samples. So that's 19 years ago. Um, and, and since then, we're working very hard on Progressing technology, making it better, making making it possible to manufacture displays and so forth. So it's also a very, very long route. Okay. Uh, so what was the tie, if there is one, to Philips? Um, right now there is no tie, except that we, we are located here in Eindhoven, on what they call the, the high-tech campus Eindhoven. Okay. And that used, used to be the same campus, but smaller, uh, from Philips Research in the old days. Okay. So the, the technology originally, the, the, the effect of switching oil droplets were initially invented here, well, a few hundreds of meters away from the place where I'm standing now. Right. And uh, am I remembering correctly, I saw you, you have a background with Philips as well? That, that's correct. Yeah, I've worked on the what they call the Philips NetLab, so Philips Research Labs, since eight, 1988. In, in various functions, but mostly very, well, quite scientific work in the old days when it was a very scientific lab. 
Mm-hmm. And then I worked for a number of years in battery technology, lithium polymer batteries, and by the end of the 90s. And sort of, I got in touch of the guys who started this electro-wetting displays in, I think, in 2004. So I'm, myself, I'm 18 years active in electro-wetting displays already. Okay, so like you say, it has been on, has been a bit of a road then. Yes, 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 sure, sure. And when did eTulipa start? Itulipa, well, in fact, a little bit of, of history. Um, yeah. um, when at Philips, with this electrowetting display technology, we did a spin-off, which called Liqua Vista. You may have heard from the name. And that was early 2006. And a little bit prior to that, there was uh, interest from the uh, a German automotive mirror man- manufacturer, a very big one, who wanted to see if this technology could be used for uh, rear-view auto-dimming mirrors. Mm. And at that time, it looked very promising. So, in fact, after... Uh, co-founding Liquivista. Uh, half a year later, I founded uh, together with, a, with an old colleague. I founded Myotech, and that and Myotech was uh, dedicated to use this electrowetting display technology for rearview mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, so by the end of 2006, we started this company, Myotech, developing technology and trying to make the mirrors. Turned out to be that technology was not as advanced as, as we hoped. So there was a lot, a lot of development work to do. Um, we really had to go back to the drawing table. In fact, we uh, we found out that there was a, a better way, we think, of making electrowetting displays with, with a different architecture that solved most of the initial problems. Uh, we patented and then we start making, well, prototypes of these mirrors. But basically, it was a, a little bit too late. The market evolved and the, the, these uh, automotive companies uh, uh, didn't want it, really wanted anymore this uh, uh, rear-view mirrors with electro-wetting displays. But also, in fact, if you're trying to make a mirror with small oil droplets and small cells, there's also some, some always some light scattering from those droplets. And it turns out to be that we could never get these mirrors uh, fully free from haze. It was always a little bit, little bit of haze, so it was not good enough. Mm-hmm. So by the end of 2012, so that's almost 10 years ago, we said, well, this mirrors is not, no good. It's a display technology. We have our own patented way of making electrowetting displays. Uh, yeah, maybe there are display companies who are interested in, for instance, licensing uh, this technology, the way that we make the devices. Um, that turns out to be not so easy, but uh, at some point of time we were pointed and asked to the fact, can't you make uh, outdoor displays with this technology? And in fact, um, that's that's in the sweet spot of electrowetting displays. If you really want to have bright reflective colors, you need a CMY, just a stack of cyan, magenta, yellow. Just black and white displays plus color filters is just not bright enough because you're throwing away two thirds of, of the light. Mm. And so very reflective, you need CMY. And this stack has always a certain thickness because of the glass thickness, which also means that it limits the, uh, the the pixel density that you can reach. The, the rule of thumb is that the, uh, the thickness of the stack, cyan, magenta, yellow, should be roughly in the same uh, range as the, the pixel size. So that's... Um, but for outdoor displays, if you have a, a 10 millimeter pixels, uh, that, that's pretty good. 
that's pretty high resolution already, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we made a few samples, cyan, magenta, yellow, very, very, very simple samples. And we, uh, yeah, we went along to outdoor display companies, and in, including Daktronics at the time. Uh, I think it's 2013 or 2014 or something like that. And, and we showed it to the folks of the Daktronics and, and they liked it. So they uh, said, well, this is, looks promising. Of course, it's very early days. It's just, just samples. Uh, but since, since then, we, we worked together with Daktronics. They became shareholders, they're supporting us. And, and we went all the way step by step from small displays to black and white displays to the full color displays that we have right now. So that's uh, in Tulipa. The story started in 2013 when we stopped the mirrors and we said, okay, we move to outdoor displays with this. Mm-hmm. And did, was, I think it's a good bet. Did you find yourself going in the direction of outdoor displays because of market size or was it more the case of a company in Dactronics that specializes in large format outdoor displays was interested in it and therefore you, you had a sort of an automatic market partner. No, the, the funny thing is when, um, when we were still at Philips and we were looking for uh, what, what kind of markets we would first do with Liqua Vista with the, with the technology mm-hmm. and myself, I, I did some research on different markets um, and I found out that uh, outdoor display markets, was in the sweet spot of the technology. But then, and we're talking about 2005 or something like that, the venture capitalist who, uh, who invested in, 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 in Liqua Vista uh, really want to go to mobile displays. So it was in the time that Nokia was still big and, and the, the market was growing. So the, the uh, displays, reflective displays for cell phones was the automatic market. And we, we put aside the, the outdoor displays at that time. So that I'm talking about my first PowerPoints I have and, and a spreadsheet about market sizes for, for electric wetting displays for outdoor was already in 2005. So I had it always in my back of the mind. Right. And I had presentations ready when we made the switch. So, okay, um, it's in the sweet spot. As I said, it's in the sweet spot of technology. So that's the reason why we also visited Daktronics and, and a few others. Uh, so we didn't make the move to outdoor displays because of Daktronics. We, we had chosen for outdoor displays and yeah, it fits with Daktronics. Right. Okay. So just like LED displays, the kind that are manufactured by Daktronics primarily, uh, these displays have a pixel pitch, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's the actual gap between each pixel, basically. Yes. Yes. They're, they're, they're point sources sort of. Right. And right now it's 10 millimeters, which in led terms would, would sometimes be referred to as P10 or something. Yes. Yes. But yes. I, I'm reading saying you can get it down to two or the, you anticipate you can get it down to 2.5 mil. Yes, that's correct. We, we already have made samples, uh, with TFT backplanes. Uh, with 2.5 millimeter pixel pitch. So right now we have P10. So that, that are the first displays that we are, we're going to make and we're, mm-hmm. are making. Um, but the next, next stop would be 2.5 millimeter and also larger, uh, larger tiles. Okay. And 
when you get to or at P10, that that's competitive, very competitive with conventional billboards that you would see on the side of a road. Yes, and yes. Uh, up above a building, that sort of thing. Two point five means you could have it as a sidewalk level display, right? That somebody would be able to view quite nicely from, let's say, eight ten feet away. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like in, in bus stops and and yeah, sidewalks and that kind of stuff. Yeah, correct. Do you have to get even tighter than that? Is it and is it possible uh, if you want to do print and you know start to do bus schedules and things? Um, if if we want to go to smaller pixel sizes, in fact, what's needed is somewhat thinner glass. So right now the glass that we use is 0.5 millimeter, and we have a stack uh, of number of pieces of glass. But if you go, if if the glass thickness would be uh, 0.2 millimeter or so, or 0.3 millimeter, we can go to pixel sizes of one or 1.5 millimeter. Uh, is that something that's possible or it's not even developed yet i mean oh, by it's other not, glass it's manufacturers oh no the glass is there there's even okay. thinner yeah there's no problem yeah so but, but, yeah basically we do it step by step but it's uh, no the glass is there yeah okay so this isn't a wish it's just a when yeah exactly yeah yeah the many things are a when yeah <laughs> uh, and you th these units are uh, again similar in certain respects to uh, LED displays in terms of they have cabinets or tiles, right? And they, yes. they stack together? Correct. Yeah. Are there limitations? First of all, what are the sizes of these tiles and are there limitations as to how many you can put together or is it modular and it can be as big as you want? Yes, it's, it's modular. The, the, uh, the tiles that we have right now with the P10 are roughly 10 inch. And we have six tiles in one panel. That's how we build the, the displays that we are, have here uh, in our backyard. Um, and the next step uh, will be this P2.5 millimeter. We're looking for 21 inch. So there's a bigger tiles and, and smaller pitch. But there, there, there are no limits in, in how big you can make this the displays of it. It's just a matter of scaling up the electronics and it's, it's all modular. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at ScreenFeed.com. With the video support, I, I, I read that right now you're, you're demonstrating animations and not full color video is there a reason for that or is it just it's a matter of, uh, that that's that's what makes sense right now um yeah it's it's mostly the electronics development there, there are two parts this one is the uniformity of the tiles uh, we were constantly improving the uniformity so all the, the grayscales and the grayscale definitions become better and better mm -hmm. so that that's in fact what you what's needed 
Um, and the electronics development uh, is, a, is a separate separate thing. We have to see uh, yeah, how fast we, we can make the electronics work with, with the number of gray levels we have. Right now, we it's designed with seven bits colors. Um, you can have 128 droplet sizes um, per color, which for reflectives is very much. But the uniformity, to, to be honest, the uniformity is not so good that we can really make this 128 droplet sizes uh, uh, very precise. It's a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But and it's uh, that's all about scaling up the electronics. Right. Uh, but in the advertising world, generally speaking, for digital at-home advertising, they're not using full motion anyways, right? Just because uh, it's except for spectaculars in Times Square and, you know, those big wraparound LEDs and so on. There's one heck of a lot of deployed stock that that is just digital posters, basically. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, along freeways, you're not allowed to do uh, any yeah. and so on. No. So as long as you can address full color and yeah. have the, the clarity that people want, they're, they're happy. Yeah, and then we were... The, the, the first display out here, the... It was for also, yeah, a surprise or a test to see how, what's the color space that we can see, how, what's the impression that we have, and, and so far we are we are quite happy. And in fact, all the visitors that come along, uh, well, many of them have not very high expectations because yeah, they don't know what to expect with, with reflective colors, mm-hmm. and the uh, the veterans, so to say, who have seen reflective displays before they know the well they're quite dull uh, but everybody's happily surprised when when they when they walk outdoor and see what we have in terms of just of color bro- color brightness mm-hmm. uh, people are amazed yeah and I, I i believe i saw that you can have or these displays can handle fifteen thousand lumens that's the maximum brightness yeah, although we did, to, to be honest, we didn't measure it exactly yet. It de- that really depends on how much uh, how much sun comes on it. Right. I mean, if, if it's uh, it, it's it scales perf- perfectly with the uh, with the amount of sunshine uh, in, in the environment. So that's uh, uh, it's it's like with with paper or when you have a newspaper. Well, I don't have to tell you, of course, that mm-hmm. a, a newspaper in the bright sun is very bright. But because your your eyes are accommodated to the brightness of the environment, you don't do not really notice that it's so bright. Right. And that's the same with our display. In fact, the, the <laughs> it's a funny story. The cameraman who made this uh, uh, shots for the video clip that we have, he was well, he was used to to taking shots of, of video or of displays, and and he suddenly realizes that he didn't have to adjust all his systems when the when the sun goes behind the cloud mm-hmm. you could not see that the display becomes less bright because also the trees and the grass etc also became less bright right was it was uh, then he suddenly realizes okay well this is different from what i've seen so far because with an led displays the, the brightness compared to the surroundings varies all the time yeah i mean it's it's wildly different uh, it's it's the opposite of uh, outdoor lcds which are the primary things used for display totems on you know advertised street furniture that kind of thing they're they're always battling the sun they've got to be at least 2500 nits to even you know overpower glare and so on and you're saying 
yeah. the brighter it is, the better it's going to get. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. But but the, but also in well in the, today's very gray uh, weather here, mm-hmm. and I've been there with visitor when it was raining. Um, it still looked pretty good. It's um, only when it's really getting dark, like in the. Uh, when the sun goes down, then you then you really notice. Okay, but it's, it's the same with your ear reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point of time, you see. Okay, but now I do not see enough contrast anymore. I have to switch on my backlight or front light or whatever you have. And, and that backlight or front light, what, whatever it may be, that's uh, running off of a battery that's charged by solar collectors, right? Yeah, that's correct. So you can be completely autonomous from electrical power grid, but do you? Is there enough power out of that battery to do uh, cellular connectivity for updates? Uh, yes, yes, sure. The, in, in fact, the, the trailer that we have out here that's uh, was was designed for usually had a before it had the, an LED display on it, mounted on it, uh, so that there's a little bit big battery. But it's one solar panel, a few uh, lead acid batteries in this trailer. And we, in fact, we have never charged this one, never. Mm. Previously, we had a black and white display on it, and now a color display. We, uh, yeah, the, the power consumption is so low of of, of our display that uh, yeah, we don't need to charge it. One thing I noticed in the reference photos is the units have seams. Uh, yeah. it, it it harkens me back to you know five ten years ago with LCD displays and how the uh, LCD manufacturers at that time were. Every year they would come out with some definition or description of even narrower bezels or seams in between the displays. And no. when LED came along, uh, that got a, lot, got a lot of interest just because the seams went away and uh, people who were designing spaces were saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to use LED instead because there are no seams. Are you getting any pushback about that, uh, about the seams that exist and Will those with time go away? Yeah, certainly we get, well, pushback is a, is a, is a big word, but we, uh, <laughs> people notice the seams. And uh, although the, the seam here that we have here is, is small, smaller than the width of one pixel. So if, if you walk, uh, if you walk to the display, of course you see the seams. We prefer to have narrow seams or no seams, but you can see the seams. Mm-hmm. If you walk away, they become less noticeable. And if you don't see, if you cannot discriminate individual pixels anymore, then the seams are also becoming very thin or hardly visible. With uh, with LED displays, if you walk towards a display, at some point of time, you can see the individual LEDs. Right. I mean, the, the image breaks down and they become little light dots. And in our case, you, you, you start seeing, noticing the seams more and more. If you're really standing in front of it, of course, you see many seams and then but when you walk away on to say 30 feet 45 50 feet for p10 pixel then then it's it's hardly noticeable anymore but but again of course everybody uh, wants to have thinner seams or no seams mm-hmm. so that's we have a program working on that to get them thinner less noticeable and also in future when we go to larger tiles and thinner seams yeah it become less and less right but we had a, a big, here in, in Holland, we had a, a big outdoor advertiser who really didn't say, well, he said, well, our, our, our screens are 100 square meters. So with P, P10 pixels, this this uh, 
the solution would be very good and we don't worry about the seams very much because well for a 100 square meter display you're standing away well many meters 50 meters even more and you don't see the seams anymore mm-hmm. Where, where's the product at are you now shipping or is it still r&d no it's it's still we we are now at in, in testing phase um mm-hmm. the so we have it out here in in uh in the backyard uh, the next the next uh displays will be when you will be made and, and shipped to south dakota for for uh well, evaluating and, and uh, by Dactronics and also for Dactronics show to them to to customers. Uh, by the end of by the end of the year, we we target to have a production capacity with our partner URT in in, in Taiwan of fifty square meters per year. Cool. Which still not much, but then it's doable. Mm-hmm. And then early early next year, we think we the first display will be used by first customers here in the region. Because there are, there are, it turns out to be there are parties uh, that we that we that connect us and that we and, and connected to the, to them that have been waiting for uh, say low power displays for many years, but they couldn't go anywhere because of the the only thing that they have was LED. Right. And now they have this option, and some of them were looking for it for many years already. And we have one in, in, nearby who said, "Well, every two years he's." In making calculations about power consumption of the displays, and every two years he was disappointed that he was never low enough. And now suddenly, uh, he got in touch with us and said, "Well, well this is what I need." So the, this is the this are the first part. He will probably use our uh, a number of our displays. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the fir- first half of next year. Are the upfront costs going to be higher than that for the upfront costs of conventional LED displays for the, the same footprint and, are, and is, are the savings more on the back end because you're not using power? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, right now it, it's in, we're making them a small quantity, so the price is not really reflecting right. uh, how, it, how it can be. Um, but in, indeed, there is a, a huge savings in, in situations where people have to make a connection to the grid, which can take months before they can get the connection. Mm-hmm. Very often, very expensive. We we had uh, one uh, one display, well, small black and white displays, by the way, uh, in a New York City bus stop. It turns out to be that the uh, our solution or the solution with our displays in that bus stop with a solar panel and a and a battery was thirty uh, percent cheaper than the original uh, version with LED displays, which were connected to the grid. Mm-hmm. This uh, connection to the grid and all the work that that goes along it and permits and so forth make it very expensive. So even when there was a battery added and a solar panel added and our displays were more expensive than the LED ones, it was much cheaper to to have reflected displays. That's really a, it was also new for us, so to say, at that time. Uh-huh. So going forward into twenty twenty three. If I am a uh, outdoor media company in, let's say, Australia, and yeah. I want to buy this, am I going to be buying it through Dactronics, or will you be licensing this uh, more broadly than that? Most likely through Dactronics. Okay. I mean, the probably the first smaller uh, smaller displays here in the region 
uh, we will install ourselves because that's more convenient, it's, it's nearby, etc. But once this becomes bigger and more mature, uh, it's, it our, it's our goal, our business plan that, that we are creating the panels and Dactronix will make displays of those panels and sell them worldwide. Okay. And uh, as, as you scale up, uh, maybe the, the existing manufacturer in Taiwan is right now is, you know, contract manufacturer doing small lots. So you, you, would, you would figure it out from there what kind of manufacturing capacity you need. Yeah, so the, for now they, they have enough capacity. There should, should be no problem. Mm-hmm. We are open for of the whole consortium of URT, Dactronix, and ourselves. We are open for if there are any other uh, major display company who say, okay, I also want to adopt electric wedding displays. Uh, we are open for talks because we we always believe if this if we want to to make this successful, we should not really keep it all for ourselves, right? And there's lots of money to be made without a lot of grief in licensing. Yeah, we, we have to see where we're open to, to anything that, that's reasonable. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, the there are many, in fact, maybe all the major display companies that at some point of time tried elect- making electrowetting displays and did R&D, uh, but they found it uh, very difficult and, in, in fact, stopped with it. Uh, we... we well, we have our own technology, uh, what we call second generation technology, with a different approach. And we solved all those problems that uh, that was with the first generation electrowetting displays. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it has taken some time, but it's uh, worked quite well now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it at some point uh, somewhere. I, I hope I don't have to go to South Dakota in, in the middle of the winter, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could also come here. Uh, yes. But I'm not sure when, when you are in Europe anytime soon. Yeah, really. Uh, well, Eindhoven has a, a, a better football team than Brookings, South Dakota, so that, that would be a better trip for me. Yeah, well, at least a so, so, better soccer team. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> I follow well, it enough to call it football. <laughs> <laughs> I've even seen PSV Eindhoven play. Did, did you hear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When was it? When was it? Oh, it was about three, four years ago at uh, in, in Utrecht. Oh, really? I see. Well, they're, they're not on the on the on their on their best right now. This goes up and down, so to say. Ah, so, well, it's uh, still a good team, good good league. That's right. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we wandered off into uh, football, but there you go. Uh, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very glad that we that I got the opportunity from you to uh, well talk about this, um, and I hope you you can can watch our display uh, anytime soon, either here or in the U.S. somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, seeing seeing is believing. In fact, the reflective is just it's just different. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely buy into the idea. It's one of those things that. Uh... It, it's it's interesting to read and to hear about in a podcast, but uh, to walk up and see it is where you're going to kind of close the deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, well, hope to see you soon. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 
16.9 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.